You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. The giant ball of gum in my mouth. <laughs> hey, your Johnson rod needs some more tugging. And Maddie Rose. Bobby Schmoes. Like, in, in, <laughs> like Kansas, Missouri. I think that may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period. He's very dialed in on the National Hockey League, but especially the Los Angeles Kings. What up with the Kings? The Kings, a lot of those California teams in really are the... Holds them in his hand, really. But the Kings definitely... Right at the top of the list. Golden Knights dealing with a ton of injuries. Yeah, this Jack Eichel injury that is, boy, it's mysterious. Lower body surgery, week Week to week. Week to week. uh, is Is it very Golden Knights or is it extremely Golden Knights? It's just the league, right? The league's very secretive about injuries. Which, in, in a world where sports gambling is so vital to uh, a lot of revenue streams for these leagues, you need a little more transparency when it comes to injuries. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like the NFL, you get fined if you don't disclose injuries and what's happening with the yeah, player. Yeah, or... but I also understand why teams like to keep it in-house. Well, of course. Because teams target injuries because yeah. you should if right. you're trying to win. But if they do it in the, in NFL, the playoffs, I don't think you should in the regular season. But if you're right. trying to if you're trying to win in the playoffs, yeah, you should make it uncomfortable for the opposition to want to play. Like Jacob Marstrom has a quote lower body injury. What is it? Is it his hip? <laughs> is it his knee? Is it his ankle? Is it his groin? I don't know. Yeah, I like. I would like just more clear timetables, but that's also hard to do. So I don't know. here's what it is. Um, Flames with a big three-two uh, overtime win last night over the Coyotes in a game that was very low event. For two periods, Flames go down 2 nothing. Dan Vladar gets the start, as we mentioned. Jacob Markstrom, day-to-day with a, quote, lower body injury. No Jonathan Huberto in the lineup for the Flames last night, dealing with an illness. And uh, they fought back again, down 2 nothing in the third. Score goals just over a minute apart. Send the, th- send the thing to overtime. And on the power play, Yegor Sharon Govard scores. 3-2 Flames, four consecutive wins for the Calgary Flames. And I've noticed on our station, I've noticed on social media, that there is a divide about mm-hmm. some players, potentially or fans, who want tank. Tank, tank, tank. It's great that they won, but sell. Or darn, Flames won again last night. You're not improving your draft uh, stock. Mm-hmm. You're not improving your draft positioning. Tank, tank, tank. And there's another faction of Flames fans mm-hmm. who are like, hey... Continue to win. Let's just get into the playoffs so we can have fun because nothing's better than playoff hockey in the city of Calgary. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that maybe you can have it both ways. Oh, why not both? Maybe you can have your cake and eat it too. Oh, okay. Now I'm interested. Juicy confetti cake smothered in vanilla icing. It's hard for me, but I'm willing to listen to you right now. Maybe you can have both. Okay. I don't think there's any question that this team should be trading Elias Lindholm. Uh-huh. He is the number one trade target at the deadline for NHL teams. Yeah, pick your trade board. Daily yeah. face-off, fourth doesn't period, matter. doesn't matter. He's either one or two. Yeah, he is right near the top of the list. And I 
I'm not crazy about the Flames potentially signing Elias Lindholm to an eight-year deal. Because it probably is a nine on it. Right. Yeah. And it will limit a little flexibility because I'm not I'm not sure you want to pay Huberto, Lindholm, and Kadri around $27 million against the salary cap for three guys. Ten and a half, 19, 26 and a half, yeah. 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 Around $27 million. Yeah, 100%. So, again, you can get all the finest meats and cheeses from teams if you're trading Elias Lindholm. Chris Tanev, again, heart and soul type of guy, mm-hmm. expiring deal in his 30s. The guy just gives every ounce of himself. A lot of teams covet that. You can get a nice little piece if you're the Calgary Flames and Chris Tanev. Especially if you wait till the deadline and, and you know, you never know what happens closer to. Yeah. But- there aren't going to be a whole lot of guys that are like him that might be available to other groups. Noah Hannafin's interesting because we had Eric Francis on yesterday. Mm-hmm. They have been talking about an extension. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how we're fans of Noah Hannafin, and he's young enough and, quite frankly, good enough to be here long-term to help bridge the gap of this team going younger to morphing back into a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. There's enough... Tread left on that Noah Hannafin tire that you don't really want to lose a guy who skates as well as he does, who moves the puck as well as he does, because the second you trade Noah Hannafin, you're looking for a Noah Hannafin type in your top four. Uh Uh-huh. That's how it goes. So here's the part where I think you can have your cake and eat it too. I am not certain. I am not 100% certain that the Flames do make a Lindholm or Tanev deal but also don't make a move to improve the team after they make those deals. Okay. Because on the precipice of being a playoff team, Mm -hmm. and again, uh, experience for those young guys, I think is important in playing some playoff hockey. Yeah. And the way Jacob Markstrom is playing in goal for the Calgary Flames, I think he's good enough to drag this team into the playoffs. And the way this team has played since pretty much when? Middle of November till now? the team is significantly better than it was to start the season. Yeah. Seven and two to start 2024. I'm not saying Craig Conroy go out there and make a blockbuster deal, but I'm not going to close the door completely on Craig Conroy making a Lindholm deal, making a Tanev deal, and then making another deal because of all this extra prospects and assets you acquire to help out the current roster the Calgary Flames to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs and I'm looking at a specific player who plays in Montreal who could play center and maybe fill the void and has a reunion with the Calgary Flames and Sean Monaghan <laughs> oh boy oh man that's where we were going okay uh... no, but I'm not but I'm not just leaving it to Sean Monaghan I'm saying that maybe in a Duclair in San Jose is a guy you want to acquire to help out the Calgary Flames to get into the playoffs. I'm just saying the door should be, should not be closed on Craig Conroy trying to improve this team after making those deals he has to make based on asset management and what those guys are worth. I'm saying we shouldn't close the door. It's not an automatic no. And mm-hmm. if this team is right in the thick of the playoff race, which I think the three of us believe they will be mm-hmm. come the March deadline, 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I think Craig Conroy should explore helping out the current roster to get him into the Stanley Cup playoffs to expose these young players to playoff hockey. I think that will only pay dividends for the Calgary Flames down the road. Look what's happening in Ottawa right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got this great young team full of prospects. The cupboards are, are just stock full of players. Brady Kachuk's into year six of NHL career. He hasn't sniffed a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the other thing there is, like, you look at Shane Pinto. Like, this is a dude that they couldn't sign him in the offseason because they literally didn't have room. They have the issue now where they have all of these picks and prospects that have turned into players, and now they have to find places for them to play, and they don't have roster spots, and they don't have salary cap. Like, you can only have so many prospects. I don't think that's a problem for the Flames. I think that's more of a full-scale rebuild type of thing, like we're seeing with the Arizona. We saw it with Buffalo for a little while there as well. There is a couple of little issues that I would have with this. Like, one is if I'm trying to build the biggest bidding war for Lindholm and Tanev, then I want to wait this out. I want to wait sure. till the absolute last second so that teams are start to panic. They watch other teams that they're competing with start to bulk up, and all of a sudden they say, okay, no, we actually do need to make this deal. This prospect isn't going to help us in two years. Okay, we're willing to make this. We're, we're willing to go down this road. And, and if that happens, I just think that they don't have time to go out and, and try and fandangle something extra with the pieces that they've just acquired. I know you can do a lot of groundwork before the deadline arrives, but I just think it's going to be a lot of balancing plates and it, it might be a little bit difficult for all of that to come to fruition in one foul swoop. The Monaghan thing, I don't love uh, just because I, I want someone younger. I want someone who maybe has a little bit more term control. But, Same thing with Anthony Duclair. Sure, but but those guys and Monaghan has an expiring deal. Yeah. I'm saying make a deal that's not going to cost you too much, but will improve this year's team. I also Not think- necessarily a guy you're training for with term that you're not going to have to give up primo prospects or primo draft picks to acquire. I wouldn't trade anything for a rental this year, even to help you in the playoffs, because as much as getting into the playoffs is good, you're probably going to be a wild card seed. Sure. And you're probably going to have to face a powerhouse in the first round. And if you go out and you get rentals, I don't think that you're going, that's going to help you. What I would look for is players that are useful to you that are salary cap dumps. Like, if you're going to Colorado, you're, you're saying, okay, we'll, we'll give you Elias Lindholm. Do you have a seventh defenseman? Do you have a, you know, a, I don't know who plays 7D in Colorado, a Curtis McDermott type, you know, a guy that gets in and out of the lineup here and there that can come in and play on your blue line like Osterlayer, like Nick DeSimone, right? And, and, and see what they can do and give them a shot. And, and that's kind of how you kind of build around the roster. Um, I just don't, I wouldn't use a single asset on someone that you don't have long-term plans for. Okay. But th- that, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you can improve the team and use some of the assets you've acquired in a Lindholm or Tanev deal, mm-hmm. just to get a, a player with some term, who's a younger type player that can help the Calgary flames, not only this season, but moving forward to get into the playoffs. I think that's something this organization should explore. I don't think it's, I don't think necessarily where this team is at right now and how they're playing under Ryan Huska. This isn't a completely strip it down team because the team is not bad enough to get into the lottery, which everyone wants them to be. That dream is dead. You're not getting into the lottery with this team. Not this it's, year. Exactly. Especially with the way Jacob Markstrom is playing. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, next year, you still have guys like 
Kadri. You still have guys like Huberto. You still have guys like Anderson on the roster. Mm -hmm. They're not bad enough to completely bottom out and be a total bottom feeder in the NHL. I'm saying I, I would not close the door to try to help improve this team once you make those two necessary deals if you're Craig Conroy. And don't come back with me with saying, well, maybe they can use Lindholm and Tanev as their own rental. No, you can't do that because Lindholm is way too valuable on the trade market. He has to go if he's not signing an extension. Maybe he does sign an extension before the deadline. I don't know. Everything we've heard, that's probably not in the cards for Elias Lindholm. He'll want to explore free agency and good on him. That asset is just too damn good not to trade to maximize that asset. Much like Chris Tanev. The Leafs would kill yeah. to have Chris Tanev yeah. yesterday. Like those guys, they have to go. They have to get dealt yeah. unless you're signing him to a contract. But I would not close the door on him then making deals to improve the current team once those holes are left behind to fill some of those said holes to get this team into the playoffs because they're good enough to get into the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. It isn't just strip down, strip down, strip down. This team is good enough to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think it's important. And I think this team deserves a shot at a Stanley Cup playoff spot. The way they've played, the way they bounce back, the way they play under Ryan Huska, the way Jacob Markstrom's playing, and the way Markstrom's playing, who knows what happens in the first round. Obviously, this isn't a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. We're not kidding ourselves, but I'm saying I would not close the door on making those two deals and then making other deals to improve the current roster. I just don't see it. I like If you want to do it in the offseason with the assets you get back, that makes a lot of sense to me. Sure. But the timeline to make it for this year... It just doesn't make sense. And I, like I said, I don't know what you're getting back. I like, I, I think you bring up a good point. If there's a young player out there that can help you right now, I think you go and get him. But where? Who? Like, are right? you guaranteed that Colorado is going to move a young defenseman for Elias Lindholm? Are you guaranteed you're going to be getting a big first for Chris Tanev? Well, there we were... are no guarantees once you get down to the trade no. deadline. Like, oh, here's a second. Okay. Oh, they're gonna get a second for Chris Tanner. Well, that's what I mean. Like, like if you if you value him, like, okay, you think you can get a first for him? Okay, well, sure, but I don't know what that is because I don't know how. Like, and like, are you saying that they should make the deals earlier? I think sooner rather than later is I, probably better because I I am totally against that. I think you should wait till the absolute drop dead last second and then move these guys out because without a doubt, there is going to be people who are willing to pay. This is not going mm -hmm. to be something where at the end you end up holding the bag because no one called you back at the 11th hour. These are assets that playoff teams want mm -hmm. that they need, frankly. Mm -hmm. So, and, and again, like we're getting the texts on the text line. And again, we always appreciate your feedback. 960, 960. Uh, again, you're doing mediocrity. Well, the way the roster is currently constructed with these younger players and, and starting to make an impact, Guys like Zary, guys like Pospisil, Kadri's not going anywhere, Huberto's not going anywhere, Sharon Govich isn't going anywhere, well, at least for next season. Like, you have all these guys under contract. This team is not bad enough to be a bottom six team. That's just the reality of the situation. If you're willing to trade good young players, sure, then you can really bottom this thing out, but they're just not bad enough to get into the lottery. And I, I never change my stance. All these Stanley Cup champions, they've all bottomed out. They've all hit the lottery. You get guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, and Nathan McKinnon. The list goes on and on. But this team isn't bad enough to be in the lottery next year. They're just not because you have guys under contract 
who Jonathan Huberto might have a bounce back here. I know that's impossible to say what he had at the beginning of the year, but the guy has played better in January, and they missed him last night. Mm-hmm. If Jonathan Huberto has a good season next year and Nazem Kadri has a good season next year, this team will not be in the lottery. They just won't be. And they'll have guys like Zary and Pospisil and who knows with Peltier and who knows who else is going to be coming up to help this team out. And especially if you re-sign Hannafin and especially if you have Rasmus Anderson continuing to be one of the better defensemen in the NHL, they're just not bad enough to be in the lottery. You have to completely strip this thing down, which this organization is not willing to do. Like, what are you going to do? Trade Connor Zary? He can't. No. And no, I like if no, you- it'd be like, like, Coleman, Mangiapane, those are the type of guys you'd start stripping down to make this team really, really sure. tank. But who, exactly. There's another example of a guy, like, Coleman. And How much, he has way too, too much many term years. left. Nobody's no, going to yeah, take that. I know all this. But yeah. like the other thing, too, is we're talking about you know these guys are too good to have a team lose. Like Look at the Sharks. Like Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle, like they have some good players that I think you would put in the same category as your Caudries, mm-hmm. your Huberdos. The big problem is Jacob Markstrom stops too many pucks, and you also have a very good goaltender in Dustin Wolf, who, once he gets a starter, he might do the same darn thing and keep you out of the lottery. Yeah. But I'm not looking at it for 2024. I'm not looking at it for 2025. My feeling has been if this team really ends up deciding that this is the direction they want to go, like if this year, you know, I think this year is kind of a run it back almost, trade the guys, see what we can do. Assessing the offseason, Craig Conroy's first year is done. We'll see what 2024-25 holds. But if you want to start talking to me about the lottery in 2026 when we're talking about Gavin McKenna or 2027 when we're talking about Landon DuPont, now I'm going to listen. But as far as these next couple of drafts, I, I just, A, I don't think it's realistic. B, yeah, every time you draft at the top of the draft, you're going to get a good player. I just don't think that it's the same type of Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, generational type player, type of guy that you really want to just tank and destroy your season, and frankly, destroy what you have with a lot of members of your fan base who all they really care about is wins and losses, not really how it happens, right? So, I don't know. I'm fascinated to watch what happens the rest of the way because I do believe they're going to trade a couple of UFAs, they're going to get some assets back, make a push for the playoffs because Lord knows you can when you look at the standings. That eighth spot is wide open for you to take especially with the run that you're on right now. You keep this going, all of a sudden you're going to feel really good about that spot. And then you see what happens in the offseason. And and listen, there's a whole lot of things that you can address in the offseason. But like we've talked about on the show this week, is there a team that goes into the playoffs and they get totally undone by their goaltending and they finally decide, okay, we actually need to do this and make a play and someone comes and gets Jacob Markstrom for a real value that he's worth? Sure. Okay, now we're talking about real movement, real kind of transition. But I also understand if the team keeps Jacob Markstrom and says, hey, Rangers have been in the playoffs the last two years. They're going to be in again, probably maybe even as their division winner. This is a team that in January, February of 2018, less than five years ago, sent out a letter to their fans and told them, we're about to rebuild. And I know it's the Rangers, and there's a lot of different circumstances there. They live in a prime market, polar opposite to the Flames, essentially. Uh, The... uh, they won the draft lottery, and they got Alexi Lafreniere, and they won the draft lottery, and they got Capocacco, right? You got you to have a little luck fall your way as sure. well. But my point being here is that you don't have to totally strip it down and go the Buffalo route, go the Columbus route, go what the Oilers were a decade ago. You don't have to do that. There's other ways to go about it, and 
I have faith in the I have faith in Kurt Conroy and the rest of this management team. I think he's a good talent evaluator. I think he's done a really good job of that over his career. I think he's going to continue to do that. I know he's not scouting as much anymore, but I I don't know. I just feel good about it. Uh, I, I'm just saying, and again, I've always been team tank because to me that's how you build championship teams in the salary cap era. But the way the Flames are with all these young players mm-hmm. that they have who are contributing to the team and the veterans you signed to big, long, long contracts. Like, look at Nazem Kadri last night. He was their best player. He he was a catalyst in the third period. He was making stuff happen for the Calgary Flames. Unless you can find a suitor for a guy like Kadri or Huberto, Huberto's contract feels untradeable. Mm-hmm. But again, you never know what happens in the summer, but that deal is just way too much money for a winger. Like That, that deal feels untradeable, but at the same time, uh, there's contracts that have been traded in the NHL that were shocking. But I'm just saying the way this roster, even minus Lindholm, Tanev, and maybe even Hannafin, they're just not they're not a bad team. They just can't be. Because you have guys like Zary and Pospisil and Anderson who are mm-hmm. contributing to this team. And who knows? Coronado's around the corner. Sure. He's lighting it up in the American Hockey League. You have Jacob Peltier coming back. Like these guys might make an impact on the NHL roster, and they might be fighting for a playoff spot even next season based on who they have. Like this again, I, I get it. Strip it down, mediocrity for 20 years. I get what you're saying. But you talk about the Flames and their amateur scouting. Some of these picks that they've had, they potentially could work out here and be very good NHL players. Do you have a generational talent in in, in the midst uh, of your prospects? Probably not. But do you have very good NHL players who could potentially be an all-star? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, would you be surprised down the road the way Connor Zary's developing that he could be an all-star? Maybe. Not at all. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So this team, the the way it's constructed and the way it's going and the way the prospect cupboard is filled, Mm -hmm. they're just not bad enough to tank. GVP, you've been quietly listening to everything. Your opinion on what we've been talking about. I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't strip this team down to the nuts and bolts. I can't remember a time in recent Flames history where we have assets where teams are lining up, blowing our phone off the hook, wanting them and also having prospects within the system where we're where they're young and we're excited about if there was ever a time to do a rebuild or a retool whatever you want to call it i i just don't understand why it wouldn't be right here right now but but again it is a re, it would be a retool when you trade guys like lindholm and and tanev and i'm saying for this he's year talking too. deeper he wants to suck right but but who but but the problem is gvp you're I'm, not gonna suck that's you, the you issue can't, you can though if, if you, you can. go beyond Trading sure. just your UFAs. You that, definitely that, can. Then we're having and a serious conversation of tra- trading Rasmus I, I'm Anderson, I'm sick of too. being average. I'm bloody sick okay. of being average, George, for the last 25, 30 years in this damn city. I'm sick of being... I get oh, it. just getting eighth. Just getting eighth. Just getting eighth. That does not work. And you brought up... It you does brought not up, work. It's not Florida. You you brought up, can <laughs> Huberto have a b- bounce back season next season or whatever like that? I, is he going to be better off? I, is that le- more likely going to happen when you're taking away a guy like Elias Lindholm? And and some of the and some of the other guys around him, I I, I just don't see it. So th- then we're having the conversation of trading Rasmus Anderson. Then, if you really want to strip it down, probably shouldn't sign Noah Hannafin. I would not sign Noah Hannafin. Okay, and you're that's, saying that, but that's he's fair. Been hard on like he does not want to sign. Okay, any of these guys. but that's you're fair. saying there's a lot of tread on that tire. That that could be true as well. Th- this is a guy who has played a lot of minutes, and he might be your best asset of all. He, he might be, and and if you're talking about doing a rebuild. You're you're gonna have to move what you think is your best asset here, and I, I'm not sure if you're 
if there's enough tread on that tire where it's enough value to where you're going to pay, pay him seven and a half, eight million bucks a year for the, for the rest of his remainder here. I, I, I just, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I, I think you could move out a guy like Noah Hannafin and get a couple more pieces that maybe add up to the, what Noah Hannafin value is. You're probably not going to get a straight up one for one defenseman back of what Noah Hannafin's caliber is, but I don't know. Could this be just a career year for him? And then that contract doesn't age well. That's a possibility as well. I'd sure. Think. But you also have Mackenzie Weger signed from now to eternity, but too. This also isn't a career year for him. He's not even on pace to break his 21-22 mark. Like, this sure, stats-wise, just... but I, I think this has been one of his best seasons as a Calgary Flame. And I don't think that's debatable. Well, yeah, but my point is, over the last three years, and I've said this on the show, I feel that he's kind of been Noah Hannafin. I don't think there's a whole lot more. Uh, like, I don't think he's going to be a 60-point guy. I don't think he's going to be a power play one guy. But, yeah, he can skate 23 minutes a night on your top pair and defend against top guys and all that jazz. I don't think he can take a step up from here. Yeah, but I, I think s- this is what he is. But that's fine. He's a top pair defenseman. I don't, I don't know how that's going to age for a team that's not necessarily trying to make the playoffs. <sighs> I guess, but... But, you have uh, to have but guys but on saying, your roster. But, but GVP, what I'm saying, when you have Weger, Anderson, you have uh, Weger, Anderson, Markstrom. Yeah, okay, we got to get to the break. All right, we'll have this. Well, you know what? We'll further this conversation with Brent Cron. We'll get the Cobra on, Big Show Flames analyst who'll join us at 8 o'clock, and we got some audio we want to play for him, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of audio, actually. Uh, but we'll talk to Dennis Bernstein in the fourth period next. Get his opinions on uh, what's going on with the Los Angeles Kings. Why are they struggling so mightily lately? Are the Vegas Golden Knights in trouble? And what he thinks Elias Lindholm's worth on the trade market? We'll do that next with Dennis Bernstein. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Big Show Flames analyst, the Cobra, Mr. Brent Cron, will join us. Break down that 3-2 overtime win last night. Over the Arizona Coyotes on the line right now, though, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, senior writer for the fourth period. You also hear him on Sirius XM NHL Radio. We say good morning to our pal, Dennis Bernstein. Hello, sir. How are you? I think you had the extra Red Bull this morning, George. I the way you pounded on the desk there in the last half hour. Yeah, I, I, I was. I got a little pep in my step. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I. Uh, great here in Los Angeles. Way better than the team, George. Way better. Yeah, it's uh, it's true. Good to hear. Yeah, wanted to uh, get your opinion. Um, if the Kings can go back in time and jump in the DeLorean, Dennis, and hit 88 miles an hour, I know it's really early in the process. Do they still make the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal? No, on its face, no. But, but structurally, um, that team last season that lost in six to Edmonton wasn't beating Edmonton this season either. They just weren't good enough at center. Now, you can question the person that they traded for at center, but remember, their bottom six, their two centers were Kupari, who's now in Winnipeg playing 4C, and Blake Lazat, and that wasn't good enough. So the, the thought was, and George, this is not like they woke up two weeks before the trade and said, we want to trade for this player. They chased this guy since he was in Columbus. That, that's the guy they targeted. That's the guy they thought would make a difference, and that's the guy who's frankly failed through half the season. What have you seen that's kind of – been the most frustrating part for his game for Kings fans? Oh, for the fans, it's easy. His style of play, Matty. He's he's one of those players who are, how can I put it, nonchalant. Mm. Right? He's not this 
when he's out there, he's not going like Blake Lazard or Trevor Moore, who's had a fabulous season. Good for that kid. He's scored 20 here in his hometown. I think the style of play he coasts, and sometimes when he plays defense, he looks like a matador because he sticks out his stick, and that's the effort. It's it's the lack of, I won't say effort, it's the way he skates, his style of play, and he's not a great defensive player, but you know when they traded for him, they traded for Dubar. They weren't thinking of him as the next Selkie winner because they have yeah. Kopitar and Danau, and you know we've been here, spoiled here in Los Angeles with all the great defensive plays. So I got the I got the theory behind the trade. Right now, Gabe Elordi's doing great things. He scored 11 goals. I mean, he mm-hmm. hasn't. He's not going to win the Rocket Richard, but the fact that the optics right now of the way these two teams playing, and you want to you know write your final story on that trade, then yeah, Winnipeg won the trade. Who's been the best player that's kind of played alongside him? Because I know there's been a lot of kind of shuffling of the lines there. Well, not really the top line. That's kind of stayed the same the entire year. But he's kind of played with some different guys. Yeah, but he's played with, you know, rookies or five-goal scorers. He's played with Arthur Kaliev and Alex Laferriere, who's been fine as a rookie, but he has six goals. He, He tried to play. They tried to play him with Kevin Fiala. But both guys need the puck. You know, he's not a facilitator. He's a goal scorer. If you look at his history, Dubois, he's like a 27, 27. He doesn't lead the league in assists. And that wasn't the point. He's he's an offensive presence that hasn't delivered offensively at at this point in time. But I I think the one thing that I keep looking at, if you try to stay positive in this market, it's really hard right now. (laughs) It's that Victor Arvidsson's probably about, Mm. I'd say about about a month away. From getting on the ice, the, the road trip after the All Star game, they go and he's going to accompany the team. If they would get him on the team and play him with Dubois, I, I think that could be the guy that could salvage his season. But you know who's going to salvage his season? B.L. Du, Dubois. He, he's got to be way better. He can't be, you know, on track for what forty points, right? They're getting. I, I wrote a, a piece for the fourth period that's going up today. They're getting a three point five million dollar performance for an eight point five million dollar price tag. Hmm. That's uh that doesn't seem like good return on your ROI. Um Dennis, uh Quentin Byfield, from all the negativity around Pierre Luc Dubois, I'm sure Kings fans and the organization must be happy with the season he's putting together so far. You know, it's funny how a player changes when he has full confidence in himself. His teammates always did, but but this was the make or break season, right? A couple of seasons hadn't performed well, uh was hurt. Um, was still trying to adjust to playing left wing, a new position. You know, Stutzler was blowing it up in, in Ottawa, but this season he's become a very dangerous part of that top line. And he's matured. He's got, what, 12 goals now. I think he's got a, probably a little bit more. That's on pace for, what, about 25? I think he, if he finds his game offensively, which he really doesn't have an offensive game, he goes to the net, he's big, he can make moves in, in tight. He could get to 30 goals, but it's been a great season with a lot on the line for that player. I, I really commend the fact that he came back with a high level of maturity and confidence, and he's been great from game one. I wanted to ask you about Trevor Moore. I was listening to Merrick and Friedman on Merrick's show yesterday, and he said that Trevor Moore has been the best L.A. King this year. And I haven't watched a ton of Kings hockey. Um, I just think that there's a lot of guys on that roster that, would kind of be the other names to take that spot. Would you agree that Trevor Moore's been the best king this year? Yeah, we do a little podcast, and I call it Kings of the Podcast, me and John Hoven, and we had a discussion, a debate about it. He thought the MVP was Cam Talbot, which mm. it, it, it's hard to argue in the first half, right? Except the last couple of games have not been good. I said Trevor Moore because he's on a 40-goal pace, 
which for him is fantastic. He's already eclipsed last year. I think he's been their best player, right? And that's with Kopitar not regressing. And that's with Kempe being more of a facilitator and distributor. And that's with Drew Dowdy having nine goals at, at, you know, halfway through the season. But I, I think Moore's been great because, you know, he's productive. He never quits on play. And he's one of those guys. He's a goal scorer, but he's a puck hound. He's the first guy in on a forecheck. I really – I've got to know this player for the last couple of seasons. Great kid. Great to see it happening. And I think right now, yeah, he's the best LA King. He may not be the most valuable, but he's certainly playing the best. Um, He's the first Californian-born player to score 20 goals for the LA Kings. Yeah. Does that move the needle at all with the local fans? Is that something that, you know, you're seeing young kids getting fired up for Trevor Moore now in the, in the LA area? Is, is Are you seeing a little bit of that? See, you don't know. You guys in Calgary don't know his nickname. It's Thousand Oaks born Trevor Moore, which is a city here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So every time he scores a goal, the joke is, "Oh, Trevor's from Thousand." I, th- I think that goes back to Matt Nieto, who was born in Long Beach. Who every time he scored or played against the Kings, it was Long Beach's Matt Nieto. Now it's 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 flipped to uh, Thousand Oaks Trevor Moore. Yeah, <laughs> Kings are excited, and, and it's it's easy to market that. Like you want to grow the hockey continuously in this market. You tell a great story about Trevor Moore, who grew up rooting for the Kings and all the other L.A. teams, went to Toronto, came over here in a trade, and has really excelled at home. So, yeah, I think it's a great story, and, and fans are excited about that, a local kid like Trevor Moore. Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the fourth period. You hear him on Sirius XM, NHL Radio, on the Atlas Pizza, and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Um, the injury issues, the gold, Las Vegas Golden Knights, are having obviously yeah. uh, an incredible start to the season. No Stanley Cup hangover, but the injury bug has really bitten the Las Vegas Golden Knights. How do you? How do they survive this stretch right now, Dennis? Uh, because they look down at their rings and say, "Okay, this is game forty, game forty-one. Does mm-hmm. it really matter? Like, let's just get to the tournament." Now, I, I'm determined they're going to be the first team to use five goalies in each of their consecutive championship seasons. I'm sure that they may not win the championship, but I'm sure they're going to get the five goals yet somehow. It's a lot of injuries. It's an older team. It's a veteran team. They don't care. Like the Florida Panthers, as great as they're playing, like they know that, okay, we walked that four-round walk last season. Let's just get in. And I think that's the mindset with respect to how tight the Pacific is. Like, do, you think, do you really think the guys in the room and Bruce Cassidy say, oh, we got to win that Pacific Division title? I don't think so. I think they'll take their, you know, I think they'll 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 happy happily match up against any team. And I think for this team, you have to watch the last 15 games of the season. Like, how healthy are they? Like, is Mark Stone going to be better? What happened with Jack Eichel? I know it's week to week, but is that going to be lingering? So I, I, I certainly think there's concern there, but only to the extent of let's get healthy and let's get ready for the playoffs. So again, that that's the mode they have to be in, in Vegas. So some concern is there, uh, you know, abject worry in that town because the team isn't playing well? I don't think so. I um, wanted to ask you, Dennis, about uh, Mark Stone. Uh, the talk was when he won the Stanley Cup, oh, it took so much physically out of him. It's it's shades of Shea Weber with the Habs where he literally gave his body for the cup run. He's going to be limited the rest of his career. Uh, that's not happening. Like, what what was that talk during the cup final? <laughs> it, well, he's been through a lot, though, right? He, and when your back hurts and it's chronic for a hockey player, you're saying, okay, he's done. Like, you know, that that's... That's it. But this guy has a will to win, and he carries his team. And and George, it, it it's the weird, not the weird. The great thing about Mark Stone, like when they win a game on like November twelfth, and he scores the game winner, it, he celebrates like they won the Stanley Cup again. Like yeah. he is such a passionate player. He drags his 
his team into the fight. He drags himself into the fight. So is he the most talented guy ever? No, but this guy has a will. He will not. He refuses to lose. It, it was a great move by Vegas. And sometimes players do get better from injuries, George. But it's, it, it was a, a long trip to get to that point where he was healthy and the team was good enough right. to win the championships. But but he, he's going to be one of those guys who's going to be, you know, he's their leading scorer right now. And he's going to drag this team into the playoffs. And I still think they have a deep run in him. Uh, Dennis, obviously, uh, Calgary is the center of the trade deadline universe yeah. coming up here with the big names they have potentially available. What do you think the, the value of Elias Lindholm is out there right now in the league? I think it's three assets, like it always is for a primetime player. Now, it would be helpful if he had a little better of a season this season and he didn't want $9 million a year. I think it's a first-round pick, a prospect, and the third asset. I think that's what you're looking at at this point in time. And you're right about one thing, George. I, you know, I'm a fan of the show. I listen before I come on. Like, there's one thing Craig Karen and I can't do is nothing. You either sign these guys or trade these guys. You've got to make right. a decision. Right? You, can't, you, can't, you can't say, and like you said, you can't say, oh, we're buying our own free agents. No, sorry. You have to determine the direction yep. of the team. It's unfortunate that the timing of all these contracts are coming up at the same time, but you have to make a decision on all these high-value targets. And I think for Lindholm, it's going to be three assets. You know, if, he, if it was flipped around and he had 21 goals and eight assists, maybe we're talking about maybe a fourth asset or maybe a, uh, maybe a higher prospect. But I think in point in time, that traditionally that's what I look at when I, when I see a player of Lindholm's status being traded. Outside of the Flames, which team needs Lindholm the most? Mm. Uh, oh, I'll tell you right now, and he got banged up last night. If you put Lindholm on Winnipeg, look out. A 2C behind Shifley, that's a dangerous team. Boston could use him, but they have no draft capital, George. They don't have a first, second, or third round pick in this draft. Like, I don't know what you would trade. Winnipeg, it would be great fit. And of course, people are going to say Colorado. I think they have enough to get by with those four guys. who are And if Gabe comes back for the playoffs, I think they got enough. The one team to look out for that's playing great right now. But, see, George, I don't see Nemestikov as a 2C for a championship team. I just don't. He's had, a nice, he's had a nice season, but nice players and nice seasons don't win championships. That would be the move. If I was Chevy and they're going to trade him, I'd be, I'd be pounding the table to get that player. I think that would complete that puzzle. You were listening to our chat, so I'm interested on in what you think as far as the timeline. Do you think Craig Conroy should try and wait as long as possible for guys like Tanev and Lindholm? Yep. Un- unless the team starts losing five or six in a row, then you might speed up the timeline. But he's bu- the team is buying him time to make the decision, right? And, and, but w- to be real, Matty, you look at the team, and they're 16th in scoring and 16th in defense. What does that tell you? It's an average team. So do you want to keep an average team together? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe some of the guys. Uh, so th- that's what, so the timeline, because the team's playing well, there's less pressure. He's probably getting less calls. He's probably telling other GMs, I'm not ready yet, which is fine on January 17th, but that day's coming. Like by the time in two weeks, when we wait to the all-star break, he's going he's to have to have a mindset on what he wants to do with these players. So oh. I think that, that that's my assessment of that. Dennis, uh, it seems like uh, goaltending is an issue in a lot of markets around the league right now and the flames uh that's an organizational strength do you think there's a scenario where jacob markstrom potentially gets dealt here he wait, he'd have to waive his no move clause to go yeah. somewhere but six million dollars for a guy who could potentially really help you out in the playoffs if i'm an eastern conference team and if i'm looking at some of the goaltenders there jacob markstrom would yeah. potentially be a great fit for a team like the hurricanes or the devils do you see a scenario where jacob markstrom gets dealt well, how many teams that are contenders in season can fit a $6 million cap hit into the deadline? 
You're going to need some help. Yep. If I'm Craig, I'm not retaining. You're probably going to need a third team. But, yeah, where you look good in New Jersey right now, yeah, Nico Dawes had a couple of good games, but okay. Like, yeah, you know another goalie's going to get hurt in Carolina. I'll set my watch to that. I guess <laughs> something's going to happen there. Right? Toronto, Martin Jones. Okay. So, yeah, there are teams that have opportunity. It's, it's just, guys, it's that, that's a big number. So when I see Mark moving, I'm like, all right, what team is that that could do that, make those moves? I see it as an off-season move, right? And again, there's a there's a situation where you do have the luxury of time, where the player isn't a walk-away free agent. So, but look, if somebody comes and, and and that's my understanding, nobody's come to Craig with a deal and saying, okay, I got to go to Jake and say, okay, this is the deal, right? Okay, will you accept this the, the movement? Um, I, it's not to that point, and I, I just get the inkling because of that six million dollar number that that if that trade happens, it happens in the off-season. What did you make of the Chicago Blackhawks re-signing Jason Dickinson and Nick Foligno? Perhaps there are only two real interesting pieces they could have traded. That's why they signed them. They're the only two interesting pieces they could have traded. They need some players, Matty. Yeah. You just can't, you know, they've pulled 16 guys from the AHL. <laughs> then you have the Chicago Wolves, yeah. right? So I got, and look, Nick Foligno, God bless that guy because he's going to be, what, 37 years old. He's yeah. a bottom six guy, and he got $4.5 million per yeah. year. That's a great deal for him. But it tells you how much they value character in that room. That's a great guy. He's, he's a leader without question. And this very, very young team needs some leadership. And Jason Dickinson's earned that contract, right? And he wants to be part of it. So he signs on. And like I said, you've you got to have – great. Granted, they are depth players. They're not going to win you championships. But that's how you build a team. It's how you fill the boxes. Quality guys that have played well and produced in the middle six or the bottom six. So I've got no problem with them not trading them because, again, you have to start building something. Davidson has to start building something other than Connor Bedard and Korchinski in Chicago. Do you think that Nick Foligno has to buy all of Connor Bedard's meals for the extension for the rest of that contract? Do you think that's part of the clause or is that more just handshake deal? Hmm. Well, well, it's easy right now right? because he has to drink through a straw, Connor, because yeah. of his broken jaw. So he's just going to buy him, I guess, smoothies and slurpees. Yeah. Smoothies, exactly. So, so it's, he better get in right now. So maybe he had a deal for the next six weeks, I'll buy you all your meals. But yeah, sure. Connor certainly helped. He'll help a lot of people make a lot of money in Chicago over the years. Uh, I did want to ask you as well about Jacob Chikrin back on the uh, fourth yeah. period trade board and a couple mm-hmm. teams rumored to always beat around Jacob Chikrin, the Calgary Flames and the LA Kings. What are you guys hearing at the fourth period? What do you know? What can you tell us about Jacob Chikrin and his future with the Senators? Yeah, well, you know, the, the captain and Jacob maybe don't aren't best of friends on that team, which happens on teams, right? So, and it's another situation where it's just probably not a fit. Uh, Steve Stavs has said about, you know, quality guys in the room, just, you know, little under-the-radar quotes from this organization tells you that, it might be time for Jacob to move on. Los Angeles, I, I don't see how they do it at, at this point in time. You know, Victor Arpson's going to come back from injury reserve, like I said, next month, and they're going to be up against the cap. They may not be able to carry 23 teams, uh, 23 guys. So Calgary, yeah. Would he be a good replacement? Would he be a productive player? Sure. I, I think you have to do your due diligence about his, you know, ability to get along in a room. Now, I get it. Who wants to play in Arizona? This was a situation where he went to Ottawa where this team was supposed to contend and supposed to be good. I'm not sure of the circumstances of the, you know, maybe the disagreement in the room between the two, but he's still a, you know, valuable player. The, the, the one thing with Jacob Chicken is you have to, and he's been through 
a season without too much injury, but this guy has a propensity to get hurt. Now there's some questions about his ability to get along in the room. So you, you have to do your due diligence and dig deep. Yes, they chased, and, and I, you know, I mentioned to Rob Blake the other day that, you know, uh, that he was available again. And he said to me, oh, you know, I've ch- I chased that guy for a couple of years. I, I, I just don't see it happening. <laughs> if they had not traded for Gavrikov, yeah. then I could see Jacob Chickren fitting there. But at this point in time, you know, I just don't see him fitting in the top four in Los Angeles, uh, primarily because of cap reasons. Is there something in the water there in Ottawa? Because this is maybe now twice that they've gone out and they've got highly regarded players and Alex Debrinkit and Jacob Chikrin and have had to basically turn around and trade them after winning the yeah. sweepstakes. Uh, well, a couple of things there, right? It's, it's not a fantasy league. Like you just can't put the cobble together, you know, a depth chart and sign players and think, Oh, it's automatically going to work. It would also help if you didn't have goaltenders who had an eight eighty four and eight eighteen save percentage. You know, it's funny, man. You don't get saved. You don't win games. And all of a sudden the organization stinks. Like, and I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, I, I think here in Los Angeles, they are grateful. They couldn't afford corporate salary. Cause look at those numbers, three, seven goals against eight eighty four save percentage. Yep. It's not good enough. He hasn't been good enough. The team hasn't been good enough. And I just think, yeah, there's a lot of talent on this team. And maybe with another coach this off the season or, you know, another grouping of players, maybe they would have excelled. And there are some excellent players on that team, but it's not, it doesn't work like that. You say, oh, yeah, wait, this player, this, that. It's, it's a very intricate puzzle for GMs to put together. There's a lot of talent on this team. Maybe it works next season. But I didn't think when I watched this, looked at this team on paper, the defense, the goaltending, I didn't think it was a playoff team either. But the expectations were really high because it's been so long. And there's no new ownership. So it was a really feel-good story. But it's failed. And now they've got to look at, you know, do you trade a Josh Norris? Like, do you trade... Uh, Jacob Chikrin. I think they will because this mix of players hasn't worked. And and Brandstrom was supposed to be the next Nick Lidstrom when they traded oh, for Oh, yeah, him. of course. That never right. really kind of exactly. worked out for the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> um, Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the fourth period. You hear him on Sirius XM, NHL Radio. Dennis, thanks for waking up early with us. Thanks, pal. George Matthew, it's great being on the big show. Thanks for the time. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Really good stuff. Always with Dennis. Big He's fan. dialed in. This specific division, there's going to be some moving and shaking. Like, when you really need Victor Arvidsson back, oof. He's a good player. Yeah, he's just, you can put him in your pocket and then unleash him on another team. Yeah, you can say that about Blake Coleman. Victor uh, Blake Coleman's way bigger than Victor Arvidsson. I don't think he is. <laughs> Blake Coleman towers over Victor Arvidsson. I don't know if that's correct. Victor Arvidsson's three apples high. I don't. He's a tiny guy. He's 5'10", a buck 85. Who, Victor Arvidsson? Yeah. No chance yes, that guy's he five. Is. That's lying. It's not. He's, He's little. Blake Coleman's 5'11", 195. Towering over him. Towers over him. You know they lie about heights. You know they do that, right? Is is Victor Arvidsson 5'10", on skates? Is that when they measured him? Where is this coming from? Know, this is so ironic dude. that you're going after a dude for being short. I'm not sure. This is the pot calling the kettle black. What Isn't are you, 5'9"? No, I'm 5'10". Oh, okay. The you're same Victor height Arvidsson. as Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. He's not and you're calling him short, but you're not short. Well, he's short. He's he, <laughs> short for a... He's not... He, Check he's me. a little guy. Thank you. Scoreboard. Okay. Racket. They need Victor <laughs> Arvidsson. <laughs> 
Brent Cron. Got him. Uh, Brent Cron, who's uh, <laughs> he, he is not short. He is yes! not short. Thank you, GVP. He's not short. I'm gonna try to reach the microphone <laughs> next break, according to Maddie. If I can reach the microphone, James the giant so piece. small. Yeah, Victor Big boy. is a small dude. He's a small dude. Blake Coleman is bigger and taller, and has 20 goals. Mm-hmm. Yes, he sure does. All right, um, Brent Cron next. The Cobra will slither his way in the studio. He does cut it close. He's not here yet. We anticipate he'll be here. He's well, usually on time. I wouldn't show up if like it's just going to be us yammer yammering about you oh, know. Wait, oh yeah, he always just saunters by with his Starbucks coffee. Yeah, oh yeah. And we anticipate Only him to do finest. that very shortly. I wonder what the roads are like. I got to imagine terrible. Ah, there he is. He's just walking by right oh. now. The Cobra's next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.